So as I mentioned earlier in the service, the theme is a peace in a peaceless world. What is peace? Oh, so let me caveat. So there's no slides for today. So you get to just look at me or count the bricks behind me or, you know, whatever, whatever it is you want to do. Um, but what, what is peace? And, and how do we know that we have attained peace? What, is it, what does it feel like when we have peace? Uh, I'm in a profession of arms, you know, as a chaplain in the army, right? So we think about peace all the time, right? You know, as, as an extension of a uh, diplomatic means when diplomatic means fails, you know, the military is supposed to come in and provide peace and stability to a particular region, right? But some of us sometimes think of inner peace. Maybe we think of a feeling of calmness um, in a turbulent world as the circumstances around us seem to be extremely chaotic and uncertain, swirling out of control. Well, peace is all of those things, and peace is none of those things. And I'll explain a little bit more uh, later on. But there was an NBA player by the name of Ron Artest. Anybody hear of Ron Artest? In 2004, in, I think it was November 19, 2004, uh, he was playing for the Indiana Pacers, and uh, they were playing the Detroit Pistons at Detroit, and there was an altercation. There was an all-out fight. It was a brawl, and all teams cleared the bench. There was fighting throughout the entire court. Like, everybody was in a fight, it seemed, right? Ron Artest was in the middle of this. In fact, the fight even carried up into the stands. The fans were getting involved. There was, it was crazy. People were throwing their beer and, and like, drinks and, and food at these players, and the players were attacking. Like, it was nuts. It's on YouTube. It's really cool, right? You can watch. No. But Ron Artest, in 2011, changed his name to Meta World Peace. He changed his name to Meta World Peace. You know, some of us might think, wow, that's pretty extreme. Uh, to, to rename yourself with the name Peace, I mean, obviously, there must have been some kind of change in his life, right? But this fact that we recognize Jesus as the Prince of Peace, does he bring this peace? Yes, he does bring this peace. He is the Prince of Peace. So how do we know when we have attained this peace once we have it? It is the second Sunday of Advent. And for those of you who might be new, maybe this is your first time here, we celebrate Advent, and it's the four Sundays before Christmas Eve, and each one uh, reminds us of the coming expectation of Jesus Christ born into this world. And on the last, uh, on Christmas Eve, we light the white candle, but the second candle that we lit today is peace. Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace, and he is ultimately the one whom we will find true peace in. I could just end there. There, that's the sermon. True peace comes from Jesus. The end. But, of course, you want to hear more, right? So, because of this peace of Jesus Christ, because of this peace that Jesus Christ brings, we can have the absence of conflict. We can have the absence of discord. We can have the absence of strife. We can be without war. We can experience a supernatural calmness because of Jesus Christ. And the circumstances, although around us may be swirling out of control, Jesus Christ gives us peace. And how 
does he do that? Well, before I get into how he does it, I want to first explain what counterfeit peace is, right? We need to know what the true thing is, but we also need to know how we have been hooked into believing the counterfeit peace. Sometimes we look to other people, look to other things, other circumstances to bring us peace, We have safety ratings on cars, right? How safe is my car? That brings me peace. I have door locks on my house and an alarm system. That brings me peace. I have life insurance. I have, you know, renter's insurance, homeowner's insurance, right? Car insurance. Ah, that brings me such great peace. Or maybe I've got a, maybe I've got a a room in my house that I can go to and and just turn off the lights and and just be in peace and quiet, you know. But if you have kids in your house and, and it's quiet in the house, you know something is not right. Who's writing on the wall? Who's peeing in the corner? You know, like, whatever it is. And of course, there's the piece of pie and the piece of cake that can bring us comfort, right? But it is this constant filling of these other things, these other things which are not God, which we think are bringing us peace, are actually bringing us more anxiety. They're actually bringing us more anxiety because when we realize that we don't have something, we are in a mindset of scarcity. And when we are in scarcity, we get nervous, we get anxious, and we try to fill that void up with stuff. In fact, the world tells us, in order to be at more peace in your life, You've got to have more stuff. This will bring you comfort. This will bring you peace. This will bring you joy. This will bring you hope. And all those things are nice, but ultimately it keeps us striving for more and more. And when we are without it, we have less peace. We are peaceless. It causes us to have more anxiety because the true source of peace comes from Jesus Christ. So this morning, the the passage that I'm going to focus on today is from Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. I call this low-hanging fruit because this passage preaches itself. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Maybe you have memorized this verse, and perhaps maybe you've turned to this verse for comfort in your own lives. But this inner peace that the Apostle Paul is talking about in Philippians is caveated that first, when we are feeling anxious, when we're feeling out of control, when our circumstances around us are chaotic. The caveat is that we petition God first, that we go to God first. We don't go to other things. It is caveated that we will go to God with prayer and petition. That means that our first and foremost move is to God. It isn't to anything else. This inner peace can only come through Jesus Christ. Secondly, we must come to God with thanksgiving. We must come to God with thanksgiving. There's something about thanksgiving that's so amazing, right? In order to be thankful, we have to be, we have to remember. 
So let me tell you this. You can recall all sorts of things that have happened in your life. You can think back to memories or whatever, and you can have all these thoughts of remembering and not be thankful, right? But you can't be thankful without remembering. It's this thanksgiving which helps transform our minds as we petition God to recognize how God is involved in our lives, in our circumstances, not only now, but in the past. It requires us to be thankful as we look back at God's faithfulness. When we petition God, we come with thankful hearts, recognizing that God is our source of peace. Lastly, this transcendence, which goes beyond all human understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This means that it is impossible to achieve this peace by any other means because it transcends all human understanding. If it was something that we could manufacture, something that we can concoct, something that we could just make up or create, then it's human-made, right? But it says there, it transcends all understanding. We don't understand because the source comes from Jesus Christ. So, One of my vehicles that I've had for the past 11 years is on its last leg. And it's brought us great joy, this vehicle, right? We've had it for 11 years. It's seen through many kids, and it's been wonderful. And I got news a couple of weeks ago that it is not going to last much longer. And so what did I start doing? I was thinking, all right, well, I guess we're going to have to get a new car. Not not a new car, a different car, right? Right? So I started thinking, I started scheming, I started thinking of all the things that I needed to do to try to find a new car. I started looking at car loans, or should I take money out of savings to get a car? Should I, um, I'll go to cars.com, I'll go to Craigslist, go to Facebook Marketplace. And I started looking, I started scheming, I started driving around town, I started figuring out, hey, where can I get another car at? What, what can I do to get this car? And I was taking all these things into my own hands, and I was relying on myself. And I was convicted a couple of weeks ago, still convicted, but it started a couple of weeks ago, and I realized that I was not turning to God first and foremost. I was turning back to myself, going back to my old patterns of behaviors, thoughts, and actions, and I was excluding God. And so I shared this with the staff during our staff devotions a couple of weeks ago, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. Again, more low-hanging fruit, but it is so true. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. I realized that these things were out of my control, things that I was trying to bring into control in my life. I was excluding God. I was excluding God. I can do this. I don't need anybody's help. I can figure out all these things. God gave me a brain. I don't need God now. He gave me a brain to figure it out. And I know I'm going to figure this out on my own. I realized I was holding on too tightly. And even after driving a couple of vehicles around and test driving, I did not, I did not feel peace. I, I didn't think that any of these vehicles were the right choice. When we were singing the song, prone to wander, God, I feel it, prone to leave the one I love. 
that's me. Maybe that's you. But my heart is prone to wander. I feel it. Why, why is that? Why is it so easy to leave the one and the source that we know is going to bring us peace? Because of our flesh. It's hard. So I tried rushing this process without first praying. And I don't know how many of you rush into the process of figuring things out in an anxious world, a peaceless world. I don't know how many of you first go to your knees and you drop down and you lay down before God and you petition with thanksgiving first. But when I meet people who do that, I'm like, wow, how did you build that habit for so long in your lives? Many of us who have memorized Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 through 6 kind of stop there. But I want to read just a little bit further past. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. That extension of that trust goes into an experience that we have, which we experience physical health, nourishment to our souls, our bodies. If, I was, if I'm being wise in my own eyes, and I'll be honest, those are one of the areas of my life that I struggle with the most, being wise in my own eyes, scheming, concocting ideas that I have to be smart or whatever. And every time I give into that, I fail, I fall, I mess things up. I tell people this, left to myself, I will mess up 100% of the time because that's how big of a sinner I am. I can only do anything right because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in my life. That's the only way I can possibly do anything good. So when I lean into myself and I depend on myself, I get humbled because I took matters into my own hands and it leads to more anxiousness. I don't pretend that this is an easy thing to do, to go to God first and foremost in all circumstances through every single moment throughout the day. I don't pretend that this is an easy discipline to achieve, but yet it is what God says first and foremost. If you want peace, you're going to have to do this. You're going to have to trust me with all areas of your life. When I am in sync with Jesus, when I do this in my life and believing that he will see me through all circumstances, guess what? Life works out wonderfully. It truly is amazing that scripture, when we follow it, really makes life better. Huh. It seems like God knew what he was doing. Anybody else experience that, wow, when you live by scripture, things really do work out in life. It's not just a helpful guide. It's like, wow, this is actually pretty true. It's actually true. It is true. But when I turn away from God, I experience the chaos. I experience the anxiety. I experience the heartache. And I look around at this world and I figure, how can I possibly even move forward? How can I possibly do this? Jesus is the only one who's going to bring peace into our world. Jesus is the only one who will give us peace. So I want to close with this. This promise that God gives us through the Holy Spirit 
As Christians, we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. We have the Holy Spirit to direct us, to help us in our thoughts and our minds, to remove this anxiousness when we turn to him. And in fact, all of our human bodies are considered temples of the Holy Spirit. And maybe someday I'll do a sermon on that. But as the Holy Spirit lives in our lives, he produces patience. He produces perseverance in our lives, right? All these things the Holy Spirit provides in our lives when we choose to rely on the Holy Spirit. But according to the world standards, we're going to miss out if we don't have more stuff. But the Holy Spirit, our comforter, our guide, our director, comes and he takes over control of our lives. And our minds are God's mind. Let me say from Romans chapter 10 verse 2, the apostle Paul says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, perfect, and pleasing will. When Jesus Christ transforms our minds, when he transforms our minds, when he transforms our minds, this renewal will happen. This renewal happen, and then, and only then, will we be able to see, test, and approve what God's will is. And let's be honest, most of the circumstances that we run into, that we try finding the answers on our own, we're trying to discern, what's God's will for me? What's God's will for this? And we miss it because we turn to ourselves, we turn to what the world tells us to turn to, instead of turning to God. Again, the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And also, we will be able to test and approve what God's will is when we do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Jesus transforms our minds. Jesus transforms our minds. And we can only receive peace through Jesus Christ. So, I know some of us struggle with this. And I've already told you that I struggle with this. But we're there to encourage one another. Go through these passages. Philippians chapter 4. Go through Romans chapter 10. Go through Proverbs chapter 3. Go through these. Figure out what these themes all have in common. All of them point to Christ. Christ brings us peace. This is the second Sunday of Advent. We lit the candle signifying peace. And we look forward to the expectant coming of Jesus Christ. May Christ's peace rest in us now and forever. Let's pray. Jesus, we're grateful that you uh, guide and direct our hearts, that you are with us through our circumstances, through our experiences, that we can have true peace, that we can know true peace because of your son, Jesus Christ. And God, as we recognize that this world is chaotic, we recognize that there is so many things that we try to fill our lives with to bring us peace. We lay those down at your feet now. And so I ask God, uh, humbly ask, that you would help us to experience the peace that only comes through you and that you would transform our minds, that you would renew our hearts and our minds, God, and that we would not lean on our own understanding, but in all of our ways acknowledging you. God, I love you and praise you this morning. Amen.